Good morning, afternoon, and evening, fellows of the nether regions. Welcome to another edition of the Trebe Rigor podcast. My name is Spencer Zimmerman. My name is Sarah Zimmerman. And if you're just tuning in to the Trebe Rigor podcast, this is a nice little show where we dive deep into overlooked films from critical history. If a famous film has been critically panned, we give it another chance to figure out if it really is a bad movie or if it was just misunderstood. I think we'd like to give out a shout-out to the people that have been listening to this podcast. We've received some uh, very welcomed support, so please keep following us, following along with us, and uh, we'll keep them coming. And uh, we'll soon be creating a Trebe Rigor Gmail account. Uh, that's Trebe Rigor, spelled like Roger Ebert backwards, at gmail.com. And just email us any suggestions you have on movies you'd like us to dive deep into, criticisms, constructive or non-constructive, or if you want to uh, maybe grab a meal. Uh, That would be great. We would really love that. Yes, we would. And to help us with the maintenance of all those social media accounts, we've actually hired our first intern. So we'd like to give a great big welcome to our new intern, Kel Farnson. Thank you so much, Kel, for joining the team here at Trebe Rigor. You are a major asset. Uh, Kel is not qualified to actually speak into the microphone. He's uh, not a an esteemed film critic, but he will be here in the studio with us to uh, help us with the logistics. Kel, uh, water, please. So, to get things started, this week we're going to be bringing you the first of the Twilight series. Uh, I believe it's just called Twilight. It is a simple one-word title. Twilight. Now, to call this movie critically misunderstood, I think, is a is an understatement. Major understatement. I mean, they got the genre wrong, the tone of the film, uh, what its intended message was. They really missed the mark on this. I'm watching this movie, and I'm wondering, what happened here? Because it was clearly, to me, it was clearly a parody. Oh, absolutely. This was a... A comedy at its heart. I mean, I was laughing throughout. I enjoyed it. It's kind of like the airplane of teenage romances. Uh, vampire genre, the romantic uh, sci-fi genre. The, the high school romance genre. All of that. And yeah. it was so obvious to me. I don't know what happened here. This one really blows my mind. Yes, it is a little strange that people didn't see this as a parody, uh, you know, for what it was. Um, but, you know, you got to keep in mind, things were much different back in 2008. George Bush was still president. Chris Brown and Rihanna were still dating. And nobody was eating avocados. Or quinoa. And far too much gluten. Ugh, gluten was rampant. Everybody was eating way, way, way too much gluten. Uh, thank God we've moved past that. I mean, it was kind of upsetting to me. Can you imagine being the writers and producers of this movie where you're all in on it? You know what's going on. You put this out into the world expecting one thing. Next thing you know, you got 40 million uh, 12-year-old girls showing up to your movie. And their mothers. And prepubescent boyfriends. So I would that would have rocked my world. I probably would have quit the industry after that. Yeah, you're right. I would have quit the game and just... Gone to my backup career as a notary public, you know. I just, I would not have the, the gumption to keep going after 
the whole world misunderstood this movie. Yep. Let me just quickly describe the basic plot of this film for, for anyone who's not familiar with it. Bella Swan, played by Kristen Stewart, reluctantly relocates to Forks, Washington to live with her divorced dad, where she meets a mysterious student named Edward Cullen. And over time, the two of them fall in love. And she discovers that Edward Cullen is, in fact, a vampire and is, in fact, about 90 years older than her. Which means he's been going to high school since the Hoover administration. I'm very confident in my abilities to find something other than high school to do within an 80-year period. That does sound like maybe the 12th circle of hell to go to high school for eternity. Are there circles of hell? Dante's. Inferno. We should probably describe how they became vi vampires. Yes, th th there is a complicated mythology in the Twilight series that is difficult to break down in a short podcast, but all of the Cullens were turned into vampires by the patriarch of the family, Carlisle Cullen, who is a 30-something doctor who's been alive for hundreds of years, and over those hundreds of years has accumulated a family of uh, people that he has turned into vampires. So that's the basic plot line that, that Bella meets Edward and the two fall in love and they're star-crossed lovers. Uh, you know, it's very difficult to date someone that is not only 90 years older, but is uh, immortal. But she doesn't seem to mind. She does she not seem to mind. really, really didn't care. Okay, so let's get things started here. Because I'm excited for this one. <laughs> I, I, there's so much to talk about here. Yeah. So, okay. Now, when it fr there was a couple minutes going into this movie um, where I was just like, all right, what are we getting here? Mm -hmm. I wasn't quite sure. Mm -hmm. And as soon as Edward first made his appearance, his incredibly pale entrance, he, he has a 2D complexion. He looks like a flat piece of paper. He looked like a paper doll. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, and as soon as he made his entrance, I said, oh, fabulous. We have a comedic parody here. Exactly. It was, it was instantaneous. We knew right away, oh, this is not, yeah, there's, this is not sincere, right? I mean, everyone's in on this joke. There's no way that that isn't what happened. Uh, I can't, I cannot imagine a world in which this is not a parody. I mean, the definition of parody is an exaggerated imitation of something, and Everything in this movie was extremely, extremely exaggerated. If it was just that, if we just got a weird-looking character and moved on through a different movie, I would have pushed it to the side. But it was backed up by one after the other. Oh, let's review each character's appearance, because I, I think oh, each please. one had a very exaggerated uh, look. Uh, Edward was the paper doll. Uh, the Cullens, I mean, the first time we see them... All of them are dressed in uh, bright white clothing, like completely white outfits. Yeah. And they're all matching. And it looks like they're about to take a family portrait. You know, it's just like, what are they going to do the next day? All denim? <laughs> Bella's uh, dad? I don't know how to describe it. I mean, he had a mustache, but, but he just had... That was his identity. Exactly. I, he is a mustache personified. Uh, we've got Taylor Lautner in this movie, this... Uh, Unfortunately, launched his career, but he looked like a My Little Pony personified because his hair is just a voluminous mane of hair. In the most awkward way possible, though. They were like, hey, 
Can you just go find the weirdest looking wig you could possibly put on this man? Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure it's like two feet long and will just look so odd. And grab that one. And also, Kristen Stewart. We have to speak of her. Her appearance throughout the film... It wasn't... Hers wasn't overly exaggerated. It was overly bland. And that just pretty much sums up her entire character. Bella is about as useful as a potato spud in this movie. She had not a single redeeming quality. Uh, Mentally, physically, uh, socially, Socially. I mean, she had nothing to offer. She was a true plain Jane in every sense of the word. And once this came about, like once I realized what they were doing with her character, I thought she was the best because everything she did was instantly funny because it was like, oh, can you play baseball with us? Oh, no, I suck at baseball. Um, <laughs> That's so good. Right? That's yeah, what That was just, my reaction all the way through the movie. Yeah, it was just like, oh, of course she would say that. Exactly. Just, hey, um... can we go get some lunch? Oh, sorry, I don't like to get lunch. <laughs> that one was just you. That wasn't in the movie, but I just, I still did. I right. enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. What really got me was when the movie took it a step further, and they explained to us why Edward took an interest in her. It was that he can read minds as a vampire, that's his special ability, but he can't read her mind. It's just blank. Her mind is blank. We were watching this movie with our good friend Jake, and he pointed out to us, that means that he is literally attracted to her, because her mind has absolutely nothing in it. And they backed that idea up just throughout the entire movie. She had nothing going on up there. It was and she could seem to be unable to comprehend anything. I mean, if that's not a parody of every romantic comedy you've ever seen, I don't know what is. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, it's just like how did no one see this? I know, and it's so frustrating and to it's me. So funny it is it was hilarious i was a little skeptical at choosing this movie at first but as soon as we got about 10 minutes in i was about to dub this one of the funniest movies i've ever seen maybe of all time i mean yes of all time i would put it up there with the comedy classics bringing up baby big daddy hot rod grown-ups grown-ups too more grown-up Malibu's Most Wanted. Shout out to my boy Jamie Kennedy. Twilight. Having a character with nothing going on up top was really helpful for creating a lot of comedic scenes in this movie. Uh, like the scene in the woods. Oh boy, this this was probably my favorite scene. It had me dying. I was weak in the knees. <laughs> you were keeled over. Couldn't believe it. I had to be like, Kel... Can you fetch me a gallon of water and a 15-pound oxygen tank? Because I can't breathe and I'm absolutely dehydrated. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That is funny. Uh, Kel, could you also write down, um, I have a gynecological appointment tomorrow. Thank you. Oh, and Kel, can you just edit that out? Thanks. So, the scene we're referring to was, uh, there was a point, it was a very long scene, actually. It was between five and ten minutes at least. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed to go on forever. 
Uh, but what made it funny was that this was the scene where Edward was trying to explain to Bella why they should not be together. And it was just an endlessly specific and just on-the-nose batch of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it Delivered to her back. Bella was facing forward and Edward was behind her. And he was speaking to her back. It's just these little things that, like, took that... That scene was already funny. Yeah. And then these little things they throw in, that's what had me dying. Yeah, blocking is important in a scene. You can't overlook that as a director. And Catherine Hardwick really, really thought of every single way to eke out another laugh out of this scene. Every drop of humor got squeezed right out of it. And one of those was just the the picture of them standing like that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'd like to actually give a little recreation of this scene where I, I will be Edward and you can be Bella Sure. in this case. <clears throat> so this is how the scene actually went. Bella, you shouldn't be with me. I'm a vampire. But I trust you. Don't. It's okay. I know you won't hurt me. But I still don't know if I can control it. You can. I know you can. But I'm designed to kill. I don't care. I have never wanted to kill a human more. I trust you. I still don't know if I can control myself. I know you can. (laughs) Just... (laughs) Was Kevin James writing this movie? Because I was laughing my ass off. Wow. I mean, we had a good time watching it. It was certainly just enjoyable as as a comedy scene. But in terms of what it was parodying and the message it was trying to send, that was also, you know, very clear. It was saying, you know what? Sometimes these teenage romance relationships that we see in these movies, I know that we're rooting for them, but sometimes there's like every reason for them not to happen. Yeah, they're just ridiculous. You know, I would say they have fundamental incompatibilities. Yeah, and I think what this scene was really doing, just to deeply analyze it, was just showing us the maturity levels of the two, and that's a that's an incompatibility issue. You know, Edward is ages older than her, much, much, much more mature. He was saying, listen, I know this isn't a good idea. Back off. And you know what? I appreciated a movie being being honest about that and kind of poking fun at that, at exactly. that cliche of having a, an incompatible couple be the center point of a romance. For me, it doesn't get any better. It's, it's, it doesn't. Because Edward was... Not a good idea from the very beginning. No, 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 no. No, he was just comically an awful suitor. Just creepy and weird in every single possible way. He was lurking in every corner. He was appearing in bedrooms. He admitted to sneaking into her room for months on end just to watch her sleep. And just to give you a little recreation of me watching that scene, it was like this. Ah, he's here. You wouldn't expect him to pop up and then it was like, boom, you know, <laughs> they, they really got you. On this, subtlety was thrown right out the window. Mm-mm. And you know what? It was enjoyable to let loose every once in a while. Listen, when I get such an easily digestible film... It's it's when I get to kick back in my lazy boy, mm-hmm. sip on my peach strawberry banana smoothie with 25 grams of protein, and actually taste it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I got with this movie. Just to get back to, to Edward for a sec, yeah. He was always sneaking into her room, always watching her sleep. 
uh, would constantly say that he was going to kill her. Uh, he was, was always eavesdropping. He was always following her. Yes. In one of the scenes, uh, she and her a couple of her friends go to a neighboring town. And for some reason, she leaves the group and uh, is in a dark alley. And all of a sudden, maybe six to eight different men come out of the woodwork like alley cats and just walk up to her and say, what are you doing here, sweetheart? And it was, uh, it was, it got real fast. Oh, it, it was it intense. Was, it was very intense. And then all of a sudden, what do you know? Edward is there. He has followed her all the way from Forks, Washington. But the yeah. the funny part was that she was into it at every turn. Yeah, she was like, oh, thank God somebody likes me enough to follow me around without me knowing. Ugh, we've all been there. First relationships. Wow. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> It was unmissable how ridiculous her ability to attract danger was. Yeah, she attracts danger like Andy Dick attracts questions about his sexuality. We've said all we have to say about that. There was this absolutely hilarious baseball scene in this movie. Oh my god. Yeah, let me just describe this to you in detail. So, the whole vampire family, they like to play baseball together because who doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. But... The thing is, they can't play unless there's a thunderstorm going on. You want to know why? Sure, I'll tell you. It's because they hit the ball so hard that it sounds like thunder. So they need actual thunder to cover up the loud noises they make when hitting these balls. They just pound these things miles away. And then they invite Bella to play with them. (laughs) (laughs) Right the one that can't, the oh one that can't do anything, can't, has nothing even in her brain, and they expect her to compete? <laughs> Come on. It's just, oh, I can't play baseball. Oh. That's Bella. <laughs> that's, uh, uh, that's my Bella. Uh, uh. Oh, I can't play baseball. Oh, but that's okay, because you're so endlessly attractive otherwise. What did they expect her to do? I mean, she can't catch the ball because they're throwing it too fast. She can't hit the ball because they're throwing it too fast. She can't run the bases because they're all too fast for her to beat them. It doesn't make any sense. It's just so funny. It it's was like, hilarious. It looked like an SNL sketch. It, was it really like... did. It really did. And what even topped it off uh, was this is where the villains actually entered into the, the movie. Seriously. That's right. They, they emerge. Yeah, they... just heavy. They come in heavy, you mm, know, through the nice. fog. And then the fog parts, and then there's heavier music and heavier music, and then it cuts to them re-entering through the fog again for a second time. (laughs) There were two separate shots of them emerging from the fog. (laughs) It's just like really laid it on thick. It was it was brilliant. It really was brilliant. That whole scene. Oh man! If you're not gonna watch the movie, Google that scene. Uh, It's just parodying every entrance of every villain ever. You know, like oh. I know exactly what you're doing there. This is so spot on. It was like they were giving us a, a two-hump camel. You know, they come in, they amp us up with this heavy music through the fog, and then, nope, let's amp it up again, back through the fog. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm not familiar with that phrase, two-hump camel, but I think it applies. It does. Let me tell you right now. Just a bunch of great details in this movie. We could talk about it all day. Uh, but just to wrap up, why don't we do a quick scene analysis of two scenes? The first one being, just uh, I just wanted to play this. Um, I think it really sums up Edward's character as a whole with one word, basically. One word. So let's just play it here. This is Edward when he says, 
Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm not sure what that accent is. Uh, uh, you know we love accents. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Please send us in emails or tweets if you liked it. Um, and just the last scene to wrap up is <laughs> classic Bella mm. being an exaggeration of the clingiest girlfriend oh, yeah. you have ever met. This is the uh, this is a scene in which Edward tries to break up with Bella, and just check out her her reaction to this. Bella, you gotta go to Jacksonville, so I can't hurt you anymore. Are you no, no. How I don't even know what you're saying. How what are you what are you talking about? You you want me to go away? I I, I can't. No, I I can't. I can't just leave you. <laughs> <laughs> my my my. This movie. It's just an ace in the hole, a hole in one. It's a, it's a, it's a royal flush. It's a three card straight. It's a four card straight. It's a five card straight. There isn't a six card straight, but this one is certainly one of those too. I, I don't have anything else to say. I mean, I, I'd wholeheartedly recommend this to anyone who wants to see a nice, lighthearted comedy. I enjoy my time with this podcast. I love. Everything about what we're doing here at Trebe Rigor. And we're going to keep it coming as long as we possibly can. As long as you guys out there keep listening, uh, we'll have something for you. And please share this podcast with any friends that you think would be interested. At a certain point, we can even get sponsors on the show and finally pay Kel. He's right now an unpaid intern and he's living in our basement. You have the ability to get Kel out of our basement and... You have the ability to feed him more than rice and beans. Yeah. We just want to thank you all again. Um, remember, everybody, peace, love, unity, and respect until the end of time. And my name is Spencer Zimmerman. My name is Sarah Zimmerman. And join us again next week. On the Trebe Rigor Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>